Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts. Jessica! And I am Chris Eaton. Oh, my goodness. We can finally talk about what you and I got to see in Japan with the rest of the people, Jessica. Yes, yes. This is the big minus one review episode. Um, We are, it's been a uh what we're see this is wednesday so we're close to a week since its release so given everybody time that wanted to see it to get to go see it and uh looking at the box office charts a lot of people actually showed up for a japanese godzilla movie yes and i am beyond blown away by the absolute universal belovedness of this movie. Like, I, I'm astonished. I never thought I would see the day when I'm seeing a Godzilla movie being compared to a Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> I We are living. Some would say we're living in the oh darkest timeline. I would argue we are living in the best timeline. Because this is a day I have, as a movie nerd... I have only dreamed of as a Godzilla fan. And I'm pretty sure you've taken slack from friends of yours. I have taken slack as well, almost my entire life for loving these goofy movies about a giant mutated dinosaur (laughs) who spits fire, fights a big moth and a three headed dragon. And we're always looked down upon as these, Kind of, you know, fun, but overall, B-grade cinema that was nothing above beyond children's entertainment. Minus One changed the damn game this past week. So, we're going to go into the review of the episode, but I just, the, the atmosphere that I have seen in the last week... I feel like um, I feel like Ebenezer Scrooge after seeing after the three spirits have come and visited him and I'm opening the window and I'm screaming down to the to the townsfolk and I'm like you there boy what day is this and he's just looking up it's Godzilla Day sir I'm like yes yes it is like the Grinch in me the hardest oh, like I am feeling vindicated as a fan this weekend. I, you know, I've kept my my temperament low online. I've been, I am so happy that everyone has been enjoying this movie. But deep down inside, I am taking a victory lap as a longtime Godzilla fan. Because finally, finally, the rest, the rest of the film nerds, the rest of the, the snobby critics, the general public have turned out not for an American Godzilla movie before a Japanese Godzilla movie and are hailing it as one of the absolute best films they've seen this year. And I've seen some go to say almost this, you know, as early in this decade, but we're counting in the decade from 12 to 12 or 13 to 13. Get my years mixed up. <laughs> one of the finest pieces of cinema they've ever seen. I never, never thought I would see this day, Jessica. Never. This is a glorious moment for all of us. Yes. Yes. It is 
the highest critically acclaimed film for this year. And I know that even people who are just movie lovers and movie goers or, you know, like, oh, I went because my relatives wanted to go see it. So I went to go see it. Mm -hmm. They came out also really loving the film and really liking the film. And I've seen more than one person say that they cried during the film um, because it is very emotionally impactful. And I will say it helps to know the history or if you are related to people of Japanese, you know, descent. However, it also still is impactful for you if you understood not even just a history, but just an empathy or compassion of the hardships that they're going through. Even if, yes, you are not a spoilers abound, even if you're not a kamikaze pilot, whatever, Mm -hmm. they lived in hard times post-war. There are people now who are refugees or know what it's like living in hard times post-war. So you don't necessarily have to be that to relate, but there are people who are like, oh, I relate. And there are those who don't relate. They just felt sad for the characters. So Mm -hmm. they said that it was very well written. And I know it took the director, the writer, and the visual effects guy, Yamazaki, Mm -hmm. quite some time to get to, like, perfect it. So he definitely was able to put in a lot of the human aspects of it that I think could make you connect. And if you Mm -hmm. just liked Godzilla, then you also enjoyed the film very much as well. Well, I, so I had a conversation with a good friend, Kazuki, while we were waiting for the Godzilla ride at the Cuban. Oh, yes. Yes. When you guys were, when we were all in Japan. Yes. And so it was the first time we really got to talk about the movie. Now, uh, as we mentioned in the last episode, recapping our trip to Japan, you and I both got to watch the movie out there, but you had the added advantage of seeing it at the Tokyo International Film Festival, where I didn't know this at the time, you saw it subtitled. I did. I, the dirty foreigner, had to sit there and watch it in its native tongue. Now, going in, I wasn't too bumped by that because I have devoured so much Japanese cinema in my nearly 40 years on this planet that um, like if I watch a French film, like it's a little jarring because that language I'm not so accustomed to. If I watch like, um, like I can, like if I watch a Hong Kong movie and I watch a Japanese movie, cause I've watched so many of them, the language just blends. Like I kind of, I've watched so much stuff with subtitles that like, it just, you know, it doesn't even sound like it, I know they're speaking the tongue, but it doesn't even sound like they're speaking the tongue to me anymore. Right. So, um, as I'm sitting talking with Kazuki, uh, we're discussing the film, and he's he's like, "Well, what'd you think?" I'm like, "Honestly, in my delirium that I saw the, saw the movie in, because I was up for like 26 hours at that point." I still walked away going, damn, that was that was definitely something special. Like, I still got the gist of the story. He's, I'm like, I kind of broke it down. He's like, yeah, those, those are the beats, but I don't know the characters' names. There are definitely details that I'm missing, but I got this guy did this, 
survived this, met this girl, met this kid. Clearly the girl and the kid are not related. Like that is, I'm like, this, this is how good this movie is, is that it speaks cinema that if you don't even speak the language, you were able to follow the movie. And then he started breaking down like, okay, well that, you know, he's like this, you know, I, I asked him, it's like, I know Yamazaki's a big name director in Japan. He's like very much so. And I was always under the impression he's kind of like the George Lucas of Japan because of his pushing the effects work. And he went, no, no, no. He's he's like, I'm hard pressed, but the best comparison, he's kind of like Japan Spielberg. I'm like, really? He's like, oh, yes, like very much so, even though he's, you know, he does genre films, but like his his dramas are very, you know, they they're very big out here. They are, you know, they're looked at much like and Kazuki knows his films. He's he is steeped in film study. Like that man knows his all like he's he's like any good film buff. He knows cinema across the world, especially yeah. Spielberg, because I know for a fact Jurassic Park is his favorite film of all time. So, you know, uh, he did say, you know, he's like, you know, he's like this. This is, um, you know, this he, he did kind of say he's like this would be equivalent if, you know, in America, if Spielberg did decide to pick up a Godzilla movie and make his own version. That is how it is out here in Japan. I'm like, it did come off like that, because, like I said, if I could sit there and not understand a single word that was, you know, other than a couple little ter- little phrases and stuff that I know and still get the story, the 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 gestalt, if you will, of the story, that's damn good filmmaking. Like, if I had gone and watched Shin. Now, you actually went and watched Shin in Japan when it came out, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Now, you didn't see it with subtitles, though, right? I did not see it with subtitles, no. So, that had to have been a little harder to follow, because that movie talks at a mile a minute, and there was so much jargon going on. Yeah. Was that which one was easier for you to follow in terms of like when we watched it versus, you know, watch this versus when you watch that? What would you say was the easier one to follow? The easier one to follow without subtitles mm-hmm. would have to be Godzilla minus one mm-hmm. because there was a lot more bureaucracy and yeah. politics and like what happens behind closed doors of a government of what mm-hmm. they try to do when you have a I'm going to call Godzilla a natural disaster. So when you watch Shin and most of it is taking place at an office or at a meeting, Mm -hmm. if you don't know what they're saying, it could be the most riveting Aaron Sorkin like dialogue (laughs) for all you know, or it could be written by a 12 year old. You don't know. But because afterwards, I think it it, it came out in in America later in English and I saw it again here in Mm -hmm. English. And I liked it even more yeah. the second time because the translation was so mm-hmm. well done that mm-hmm. the moments of bureaucracy and meetings and the characters trying to figure out what's going on. And you realize that the female is the the, fem- uh, the female character is the one who pretty much puts the plan together and figures things out. Mm-hmm. All of that dialogue is written very, very well. It yeah. was translated very well. Mm-hmm. So it made me realize what I missed the first time when I saw it in Japan. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like for me, my memory was all office Godzilla mm-hmm. being a disco ball because it mm-hmm. was, you know, he did it office 
disco ball, office disco ball. So I was like, I could only judge it by Godzilla's powers and action scenes. I couldn't actually yeah. judge my dialogue because I don't know what they're saying and it's unfair. But mm -hmm. this one, even if you didn't know what was going on, and yes, you do miss a lot of nuances and very, very, very important facts, mm -hmm. you can tell this is a pilot who then lived through World War II, times are hard, somehow he's with a woman and a child, right? Let's mm -hmm. say you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then he's clearly PTSD traumatized by whatever he saw. He mm -hmm. made friends on the boat. He has a new job. Godzilla mm -hmm. comes, woman dies. He is now, you know, riding. The survivor's out. guilt even more, yeah. Yeah, and then goes out into a plane that an old colleague makes or fixes for him, and he fights him. That's the gist, if you, if you yes. knew nothing else. If yes. you knew nothing else. And I feel like what was great and magical about this is the fact that this story was much more streamlined, mm -hmm. and that's why it was easier to follow regard of whatever language you saw it in. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting with Spielberg because obviously they were a lot of comparisons, but Spielberg's one positive, I mean, he has many positive traits, but one mm -hmm. of his positive traits of storytelling is the, his human characters, which is clearly shown in Yamazaki's film. Very he much so. actually liked the characters or felt bad for the characters or disliked the characters. Mm -hmm. And it was very well done in that aspect because I'm going to be honest. In 2014, Godzilla, I just remember Ford yeah. by Aaron Taylor Johnson. And then mm -hmm. I just felt like, I, mean, I guess if you served in the military, you would feel some connection with him or if you were a family man. But like, I watched it and I was like, Ning. and then same thing with the second film. Mm -hmm. Godzilla mm -hmm. King of Monsters. I just like the kaiju action. I was like, characters are fine. You know, yeah. I guess mom made a point about humans being viruses. I don't know. But this one, I actually felt like I knew the characters and I felt what they were going through in their journey. So, see, I didn't even remember the names <laughs> of, the second, yeah. of the second film. So, let's, 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 let's break this down because um yeah the second viewing when i finally got all the nuances like the first thing like i didn't like when i initially watched this movie i didn't know that the main character was a kamikaze pilot that abandoned his post like yes. that i yes kazuki brought that up to me and then you reiterated it, and i'm like that was a kind of a big thing to understand because yes you know yes the way the movie opens is, you know, when he lands that plane and, you know, there's the whole thing like, you, just, you know, it gives, you know, at least, the you know, the date and everything comes on. So if you know your World War Two, you know, you know, like, OK, we're in the, the dying days of the war and clearly something's going on and it just, you know that part was lost. And so when I'm sitting there now knowing like you guys had told like Kazuki and you had told me going, I'm like, oh, that. That just adds a whole nother layer to what I just watched. So going yes. in the second time, like now I'm okay. Now I'm prepped. So now I, I can, I can factor that in 
and let's see where this let's see what I missed and yes it's definitely because we're gonna be kind of jumping around a bit but and by the way we said again we're gonna reiterate this is just gonna be a spoiler ish top to bottom review because there's really no way to discuss this film without really delving into it because at the end when we got done watching Japan and that ending popped up and I believe I turned to you and said that was a great movie but I call shenanigans on that ending and it wasn't <laughs> and it wasn't until Kazuki pointed out to me he's like yeah but do you remember the the black thing on her neck I'm like yeah what was that he's like that's the shin ending I'm like what do you mean he's like well here's what you missed and uh in the middle of the film after the attack on on Giza they're talking about the Godzilla cells like spreading like the fact there's chunks of them like all over the place and that they they're not sure what the environmental impact would be. And he's like, he's like that. That's he's like, that's that quiet. He's like, that's that's your that's your inception moment of is he still in the dream? That's the that's the dreidel just tilting enough that like, OK, he, he's probably not dreaming, but there's something more going on here. And um, he's been very good. He actually picked up the novelization, which does add a little more depth some of the stuff and yes the cells the the fact that Godzilla can regenerate that plays an aspect of possibly how she survived and the ongoing impact that Godzilla will have kind of almost like the the atomic bomb analogy without being as heavy-handed as one would maybe say that the first the original movie is because at the end of the day this isn't even so much about the the bomb like might so when I was watching all these previews and stuff, knowing full well that this is another solo movie and the time frame of it, like going back, like right after the war, like we're going before even the original movie. It's like almost like eight years before the first movie. <clears throat> and, you know, just the previews, like you see the bomb and everything. And so it's like, oh, are they, what are they going to do with this? Oh, no, no. Like the aspect's still there, but you're removing any in a way you're removing any of the military intervention you're removing any government and you're it's all just the people and yeah. that i think is what really that that i think is what's getting to people most of all in in across every language barrier that have seen this movie is the fact that yamakazi managed to do what everyone complains about is that God, no one ever really cares about the human characters. And at the end of the day, when this movie's done, you cared more about the human characters than you actually cared about watching the Godzilla action. Like, you are engrossed by the arc that these characters have. And every single one of them are, even the side characters, are these fleshed out human, like, they feel like real people. They feel genuine like the the acting that's coming you know the performances are coming across like you're you're sitting there you're like damn like like he did it he did the thing that no like everyone thought you could never do because it's always the idea of like well no one's there to watch the humans they're just ancillary characters to move the story along no this time godzilla is the ancillary character to move the story along and you are following the drama that's going on. It's it turned from a Godzilla movie to a drama that happens to have Godzilla in it. And I thought that was a stroke of genius. 
on on yeah. Yamazaki's part. He also like, made it so the characters, when they reacted, it mm-hmm. was how would I put it? It was realistic mm-hmm. to how a person would react to news that's been told to them. Like when he says, oh, we're not married. Yeah. I'm not married to her yet. And the guy's like, are you stupid? Like, yeah. she's amazing. You you yeah. should like, you should have married her. Or the mm-hmm. fact that uh, he finally, Koichi finally tells, you know, Noriko mm-hmm. about the, dy- you know, he sees something primitive on an island and it's like messing him up, his PTSD. I don't, she doesn't be like, oh, I don't believe you. You're crazy. I don't yeah. think it's real. She just is like, she listens and then comforts yes. him. And then later on, she sees it from her train and when she's, she's like, on oh, the way to Ginza. And then not- she's not like, oh, he wasn't lying about it. She yeah. saw it and knew exactly what it was. So yes. it it wasn't like there was no not realistic way even the way they explained without damaging mm-hmm. why the u.s is not involved was directly mm-hmm. taken from our own history mm-hmm. and it wasn't like oh the u.s are such bastards they never came to help it actually made sense why the u.s could not make a movement during that time and it mm-hmm. made it so it was realistic to history but also mm-hmm. didn't alienate the u.s audience or make the u.s audience history look bad so yamazaki really like did his research yeah and really knew how to craft the story in a way that there was no i mean there are villains but there's no real villains like no one's really you know even the way they acknowledged the way japan went the they went about it yeah of world war ii even they did it yeah in a very eloquent way of like yes. how they how they said it and stuff. So I felt it was yeah, like you were saying you cared about the characters, everything was kind of genuine and authentic and mm-hmm. realistically done. You know. And the little girl Akiko was adorable as hell, so. Oh, of course. Cute. Like and Just, even yeah. the neighbor, uh she uh Shigeko, I think, she, like she turned out to be she started out and I think it was important to know why he was the failed kamikaze mm-hmm. pilot is because he wanted to live because the letter from his parents is like we just want you to come home and like mm-hmm. how can you blame someone for wanting to live it's in every creature's dna and instinct she mm-hmm. at that time that type of culture blamed you for not sacrificing yourself and winning the war and so all her children are dead and then that mm-hmm. whole character turns around at the end oh and, god and yeah ends that up are you know, I, I've never liked it when the character is an a-hole in the beginning and ends up being an a-hole, and there's like mm-hmm. no growth in yeah. that character. So yeah, no, it it the because again, the movie takes place over a three-year time, uh, three, three years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. fifty-five, forty-five to forty-seven. Yeah, which is also just ingenious to like really set up. Get, you know, you re, you do believe that you know, it gives you time. Like you do feel the passage of time. The characters are growing, the country's rebuilding, um, and you know it's it's you know as people as you know as you start moving away from the from the war and 
resuming life, you know, there's that. All right, that happened. And the world is going to keep turning. So we have to keep moving forward. But we're still in the rebuilding process. Um, to even the point, like, yes, the fact that he is a, you know, he abandoned his post. But that is not the driving force of this movie at, at the same time. Like, yes, he there's a bit of shame that he carries for, you know, um, not doing his national duty. But the way that Yamazaki frames you know the ptsd of everything was absolutely and something i did not see coming like i i, I let out an audible whole what like the only <laughs> other time i let an audible out like that was in rogue one when they're teasing grandma tarkin and you see the cg tarkin and he's looking at the window and you kind of see the reflection I'm like oh this is how they're gonna do it. and then he turns around and he's talking to the screen i yelled Get the hell out of! Are you kidding me right now? Like, and th by the way, my buddy George is shaking me violently because he's like, "Can you believe this is what's going on?" <laughs> so, which, by the way, I have to say this: when Jessica and I were watching this movie, this, like, was it like eight minutes in, eight to ten minutes in, when they're on when they're on Odo Island? Yeah, yeah. And it gets to it gets to the night. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fairly awake at this point because I'm like, okay, so. And I knew there was going to be something because Bandai kind of let it slip. There's a monster A. So I'm assuming something's coming. So there's either going to be another form or Godzilla's going to further mute, something like that. I did not expect at all of all things to pull <laughs> out of the library Godzilla goddamn Saurus. I when that thing showed up, I screamed, "Are you effing kidding me right now?" And <laughs> I turn and I see Jessica just doing this, like she's like, "Look, look at this!" I was completely flabbergasted when this thing starts. When this thing saunters onto the screen, I'm like, "You got to be kidding me right now!" And not only that. The very first, the very first thing that goes through my mind is because I have stared at this image for the last 20 years. I'm like, that's Bill Stout's design right there. That's Bill Stout's Godzilla for his fail that that failed Fred Decker. I'm like, that is the spitting image of this thing brought to life. I'm like, get the hell out of here with this. And then on top of that. You get one of the most violent scenes in any Godzilla movie I've ever seen because this, because the Godzilla source comes in and like it's, it is again like the the Spielberg parables are thick in this movie. Like there there's this is the Jurassic Park moment. This is the T Rex <laughs> and the Jeep scene, except there's a bunch of Japanese soldiers hiding, and it's it's um. Why am I blank? I'm. Oh, I got his name right here. The the main character. Why am I blanking on his damn name? Sorry, I. It's been a long Can week we for me. Uh, yes. So when they're sitting there, and I'm, you know, I'm finally watching the the subversion, and they're like, "What the hell is that?" And you know, one of the soldiers says, "That's got to be Godzilla." And they're like, "What?" And they're like, "It's what the local natives call." Tying it into the first movie, still tying keeping the lore of like. Godzilla was this creature off Odo Island 
the locals talked about it in legend. They're like, we, we didn't think it was real. The, the natives would say that, yeah, this thing comes ashore every once in a while and that, you know, it's something to watch out for. But I didn't expect to see this. This 20-foot got dinosaur Godzilla. And when they tell him, like, go get in the plane. Because our guns aren't going to do crap to this thing. And when he gets in front, uh, unload into this thing and kill it. And there's that moment where he hesitates. Yeah. And this was the beauty of really hammering down the survivor's guilt that is the is that is the ongoing theme in this movie. He fails a second time. And <laughs> he fails a second time to save his fellow servicemen. Yeah. And they all now to be fair, they kind of bring it upon themselves because they have that moment of like they're so freaked out that they ignore their yeah. superiors, you know, yeah. orders and they just start opening fire and then you watch this Godzillasaurus just tear into these guys. When the one soldier gets snapped in the mouth and tossed in the air, <laughs> I lost my mind. I'm like, oh. they are, they, yeah, they are not, they are not screwing around. They are not messing around. And you just watch. By the way, a this looked like they shot. It looked like they shot this on location, which added so much more depth. Like it, this movie does not look like. Any other Japanese Godzilla movie ever made. And it does help that Yamazaki shot a lot of stuff on location. Like, clearly, like, Ginza and all that, that is all digitally recreated. Yeah. But, like, yeah. the boat stuff, the, you know, Odo Island, it all looked like it was, it's it's clearly, a, you know, a location shoot. Which just adds so much more realism and so much more depth to the scenes of Carnage. And, by the way, you're, like, legit for the first time. Seeing Godzilla just straight up murder people. Like, it's not in a gory fashion, but he's murdering people. Like, it's something that for years Toho was like, no, you can't show. You know, it was always the joke Godzilla would step on people. But you never really saw it. I think the closest we ever got to it was in 1984 in The Return of Godzilla when the um, the transient's running and Godzilla's like right behind him and you just see the foot come down. But even then, they don't show him getting stepped on. Here, the Godzilla source is just smashing guys into the ground. Like you see them get plopped into like the into the ground and it pushed in. Guys are getting tossed left and right. And then he flips the plane, it explodes. And when when he comes to the next morning, it's just the mechanic who's just berating him. He's like, This is on you. All these men are dead, and it's all your fault. And, like, just pretty much calls him a coward. It's like, you're a coward. Like, he's like, I know you completely lied about your plane because you're a coward, and now your cowardice got everyone killed. I hope you're happy. And that moment where they're on the boat coming back, that random soldier just gives him that envelope, and he opens it up, and you kind of just – you see something, yeah. and he's like, freaks yeah. out and shoves it into his – into his pocket like that that thread like that it's this is the first time i've truly seen like ptsd like truly like without being overtly like dramatized in a way of like oh you're 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 just turning it up like no the nuance that it was done throughout this movie it was absolutely perfect like yeah. his his journey back home finding out his parents are dead 
Tokyo is in complete ruins from the firebombing. His house is essentially just a burnout shack. And his life immediately turns around when he meets this girl and she shoves this baby into his arms and she takes off because she was caught stealing something. And she he ends up taking her in like a stray cat. And, you know, as much as he's saying, like, you get you're here tonight and you're gone tomorrow. And the next thing you know, it's been three months and they're still there. And then six months and they're still there. And then a whole year later, like they're still living together. And you can see like he's still racked with guilt. But like for some reason, like as much as she's given him, you know, some grief, you can tell that they have quietly unofficially formed this family without calling themselves a family. Like they neither of them want to admit it yet. But they're just kind of like, we're just like, they're just giving them themselves the excuse. We're just surviving. It's, that's all it is. But as it goes on, and he gets the job on the boat as the minesweeper, which, again, like, going into like, oh, like, you cannot escape your fate. Like, you are still tied to this war, and you are haunted by this monster that, honestly, there's only one other dude that saw this thing. And, uh, no one's talked about it like like you can go on about it like that moment when he's when he's you know confessing is like i you know two years ago i you know this he's like a di it literally says a dinosaur attacked uh you know you know me in this in this group of soldiers on this island and i because of me not you know his saying to pull the trigger they're all dead and i'm haunted by them he's like i Maybe I'm dead. Maybe I'm in hell. Maybe this is you know, this is my penance. Again, the movie nerd in me was just like, I, I've seen this before. This was the if you if you know your horror, there's a movie called Tales from the Dark Side, and the there it's an anthology film, and the third story is this guy that runs into a gargoyle in the middle of an alley one night, and the gargoyle. Uh, kills this transient and he sees the gargoyle kill this transient. The gargoyle catches him and says, you're to swear. I'll let you live, but you're to swear never to tell anyone what you saw here. And the whole story is him keeping the secret. Like his life starts getting good, but he can't keep the secret. And he ends up telling his wife who turns out to be the gargoyle and thus inflicting a curse. And his wife and his kids turned into these gargoyle creatures and he ends up dying at their hands because he was racked with some guilt that he couldn't, you know, keep the swear. I'm like, this, this is like right out of that, except no one's turning into a gargoyle and he was attacked by a dinosaur. So <laughs> again, just like these little things that I was picking up on. Um, yeah. But, I like the fact that you were saying this is a very violent Godzilla but mm -hmm. to go back, I like the fact that Godzilla source, he never eats anyone. He mm. just chops them and throws them in the air. Yes. And I'm not going to lie. I laughed pretty hard in mm -hmm. the theater. I mean, I was trying not to laugh too loud because Japanese mm -hmm. culture in the theater is very quiet. Mm -hmm. But I don't know why. I thought that was hilarious because he literally was just upset and didn't want you there. But yeah. he didn't need to eat you. No. He just wanted you out of the way. Yes. Um, and to move forward when you were saying, I like the fact that he was like, maybe this is hell, maybe this is penis. And then he tried to live a good life. 
-hmm. and it came back around anyways. And he goes, just, I knew I couldn't be happy. Do you know what I mean? There was a lot of Mm -hmm. that survivor skill. And I like the fact that when he was a minesweeper, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. he's actually a good shot Mm -hmm. because you've never actually seen him do his military position, his work, his, you know, kamikaze. So he could be a terrible shot for all we know. And he just didn't want to. And he turns out to be really good. He's actually really good at his aim and he's very good at shooting. He just has moments where he can't do it when it just triggers, you know, it's that, it's that when (laughs) it's that thing that like when it, when the time comes down, are you prepared to do what you were trained to do? And he hesitated on two different occasions back to back and it, Bid oh. him in the ass big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, because it, it goes deeper. The fact that, you know, had he, like, had he actually gone through, he would have died. Had he maybe gone somewhere else, he might, you know, that never would have happened to him. And, like, he, his life could have gone a whole nother path. But it was just the, the circumstances of, like, I am bailing on this mission. The, we're losing the war. There's no point in me killing myself. And because of, you know, you know, because of where I was, I happened to be in this event of a dinosaur attacking and murdering, you know, my fellow soldiers. And I could have done something about it. And I didn't. So, you know, it's the, you know, the, you know, the, the minesweep stuff felt like, okay, this is, I can, you know, I'm now being paid to rectify, you know, some of the, some of the errors of the war. And I'm, I can use my talents that, you know, I was trained with to make some money, do some good. And then his, the, his past comes back to haunt him in like a, literally in a big, bad way. Um, let's talk about the boat because the, boat. The, the crew on this boat, my God, not since the uh, SS Minnow have I been enamored with such <laughs> a, a, a scurvy band of scallywags as this. Like everyone on this boat is, is just like, they like, again, you get only about, eh, I would say about what, 15 minutes through a montage, <coughs> excuse me, through a montage and some stuff at, at home, like them bonding. But you, like, again, the characters are so, the actors are doing such a damn good job of, like, by the midway through the montage, as the, as the, they show the, uh, the years moving and they show the bomb going off in the bikini atoll, and then you see Godzilla start to mutate. His eye, yeah. Yeah, his eye, like everything start like coming up. But meanwhile, he's out there smiling as he and his buddies are just blasting the crap out of mines on this pile of crap boat because they need a wooden boat because the American mines are magnetic to take out, you know, the larger cruisers. So they're like, this is the only way. Like, it's kind of, again, it's a little, <clears throat> you a little bit of like. There was no English subtitles. That's you again one of those. You one of those just things. They were on a crap boat. Yeah, one of those things I absolutely missed, and I was like, "This is where the details are are were needed on an exceptional level." Because again, these these are the things I miss. I'm like, "Oh, this is why they're on such a crappy boat." Yes, because they're mine sweeping, and some of the mines are magnetic, so they don't want to 
accidentally blow up in the middle of the ocean. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. So and of all the, all the characters that I was completely in that Doc, the aptly named Doc. That guy, like the second he shows up, like on screen, like this guy just draws all the attention to him. Like he is just, he looks like this, just this big ball of joy. Like he's kind of like enjoying what he's doing. And again, lost in the translation, did not know in the first viewing that, yes, he was a former naval weapons designer for the Jap for the Japanese Navy. And so this is part of his gig is like, well, I got to clean up the mess I made. But, you know, as you know, he even said, he even comes off. He's like, look, we were all doing our jobs. I didn't exactly agree with what we were doing, but I had to do my job. And now it is my job to clean up this mess. And that's that's exactly what we're doing. Like he's he lets off. He's you know, he's a smarter man than he lets on. And that's, again, one of the just charming little features of Doc, because again, later on, he would go on to play just a gigantic, you know, crucial role in this movie. But um, when I saw Doc come up, I'm like, that hair? There, there's a, a little scientist. bit of. They he's all a scientist. Were, you saw him, you knew he was a scientist. Oh, easily, because he's got the, what I call the Doc Brown aesthetic, just the kind of like the, the kind of wavy, unkempt hair, a little bit of like the. <laughs> the kind of happy-go-lucky attitude, even though, and he's clearly smart as a tack, but, you know, keeps keeps things close to the vest. Um, All the characters uh, was, were great, because even the kid character could have been annoying. Oh, yeah, it was. And useful at the end. Very much. Oh, everyone got a redemption arc. Everyone got a redemption arc. Like, again, that is the stroke of great writing because even the side characters got their moments to shine. Like, cause there's a lot of times side characters are just there for plot points and to kind of move things along. No, everybody had their arc as little or as big as it was. And it all played out masterfully. Um, so the initial Godzilla attacks, like the, the idea of like, okay, so there's something big, there's something attacking ships it's moving towards Tokyo. It's moving towards Japan. And these poor bastards are given the uneventful job or the unfortunate job of, hey, go find this thing and uh, try to kill it if you can. And uh, once uh, once they realize what it is, like then the PTSD flash, he's like, no, no, you don't understand this thing. This thing killed. I watched it just murder everyone like. You know, it, it, you know, guns didn't like this. The gun we have here is not going to do the job. So, excuse me, um, which is where we get Doc kind of He's like, yeah, uh, we kind of know that. Like, that's why we got to go pick up some mines and we're going to go blow this thing out of the water. Like, and then it turns into Jaws for me <laughs> in the best, in the best way. Like the, jo the Jaws references in the, at the end of the first act of this movie are just it's it's painted but not in a way if you're like yeah i've seen this but i've seen it done better no 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 this this is this is clearly the jaws homage without being too on the nose and just too hackneyed to like okay you know a lesser director would have really fumbled this but yeah it came out so damn well because once godzilla does show up 
and they realize, oh, he's a lot bigger than we anticipated him to be. Because when I'm, again, when I when I watched this originally in Japanese, I'm like how, like they're in this. Why are they in this little ass boat trying to run from Godzilla, who's clearly swimming as fast as they are? And it all, it, the translation does does make a world of difference. It's like no, like you know, they're they're given the job of like, okay, we got to blow them up. Their second, you know, their their uh, partner boat is the first one to get completely ganked by Godzilla in a beautiful sequence where he just rushes out of the water and just slams this boat down and completely obliterates it. So as he's like taking care of that, like they're like, you got to book it. And this is also the first time I think I've ever seen Godzilla actually properly swim in a Japanese movie. Because a lot of times, you know, it's the guy in the suit. They're in the pool. Either they had Godzilla, like, kind of like, he does this splash thing where they kind of replicate him. It looks like he's supposed to be swimming, but it's just the suit going up and down like a like a paddle motion. The Heisei films kind of gave us the, the model under, you know, like, you know, supposed to look like he's swimming underwater. Even the legendary movies, they they kind of fall into this trap a little bit of, especially the the 2019 film when Godzilla rises out of the water after he you know just absorbed the bomb, and you're sitting there like it's about 700 feet of ocean that he's floating up, but he's somehow standing completely upright in which. It's supposed to look, you know, I know it's the it's yeah. meant to, you know, be a cool looking scene, but the physics of this don't make any sense. Here, the physics played out beautifully. Like Yamazaki was paying attention to everything. Like the fact that Godzilla's swimming, which is like the top of his head up, and you just see the spines, the way he moves like in a like he's like he moves like in a marine iguana. Just those little little tidbits. When they launch that first mine into his mouth, and they, you know, they blow it up and you see like half of his face is completely like, blown. I'm like, again, like this movie's not playing around. Like they, I'm like, you, I don't think I've ever seen that amount of actual like gore and damage done to like, it was like right out of a gamma movie. That's how like yeah. visceral it got. Like I, you can yeah, see like chunks, like hanging out. And then all of a sudden, like he just starts regenerating which again the little things that is it's what i love about what the legendary movies have done where they take all these little things over the years that the Showa films and the heisei films have added to like godzilla's repertoire powers and his abilities you know and i mean godzilla 2000 literally spent one whole damn movie explaining like yeah he's like wolverine he can regenerate we're going to build a whole movie around this which i always like what like to that to this day that that's that story still boggles my mind but like yeah we can play with this bit of lore we're not adding anything to it but we're we're just gonna go a little deeper on it that he can he like he has a healing factor like this this is what the mutation did to him and his face just completely regenerates but it's not perfect like there's that scar that goes right across like it's all discolored and everything and he's just now he's just pissed off. And the moment that they're like, we're screwed, that 
battleship shows up and you see all the sailors just a beautiful sweeping shot of like everyone just looking like that that's a giant dinosaur that's in the ocean right now like what the hell are we looking at and when they open fire on him like it's just the the impact of like the shelling on him like you just see like him turn just like uh, you you no you didn't just do that that whole attack sequence that was the moment when i was watching this in the japanese i'm like this holds up to any american movie i've watched in the last 15 to 20 years like that sequence alone was so beautifully done when he rears up out of the water and it's not like he just you know punt like he it's you know kind of like an animal he leans up he jumps on top as much as he can of the carrier and just starts tearing away at it just viscerally like an animal and then slides back down like any other like any other time in the past you know that would have just been like a model and godzilla just would have been doing like like this but just seeing just the destruction the scope the scale the shots you can get like this of all times was like the first time that it truly felt like this is what cg can promise and deliver and as much as I always love my suits, I'm like, if this is what you can get going forward, this is probably the direction we should be moving in. And, and I know it sounds blasphemous, but man, that that whole moment there. And I just thought, like, we just made fun of Ant-Man eight months ago for how MODOK looked. And he looks silly and ridiculous. And that movie cost $250 million. And I know this movie did not cost anywhere near that and that just this moment put half that movie to shame and then we got the first atomic blast and yes. it just eviscerates the ship which was again we saw that same exact scene in godzilla versus kong but this one was done with just so much more oomph to it that you're like oh like get yeah, the this movie is not playing around then we get to the the assault on Giza. Yes, I was, Daylight. I was gonna say the little wooden boat reminded me of a moment where it was Captain America mm -hmm. fighting Thanos. Mm -hmm. And never have I felt like, yes, they're here. Yeah. As when the ship from like Singapore, whatever was coming up, mm -hmm. and that was all of Doctor Strange's portals opening mm -hmm. in infinity. Uh, no, in Endgame. Yeah. And everybody is coming through. Granted, that one had a much happier ending, but I've never really felt emotionally invested because, mm -hmm. as everyone knows, I root for the kaijus. Mm -hmm. But this time, I actually felt terrified for the people, and I was visibly excited, like mm -hmm. emotionally excited when the large battleship came. And then... When the first time, what I noticed was we saw Godzilla's powers the first time, but we mm. actually saw it from underwater, meaning we yeah. knew that when you see it in daytime, which there's a lot more daytime fights than the legendary mm -hmm. ones, it was going to be even more impressive. But the first time we see it, we just get a taste of what it is. Yeah. And it was already so devastating that I actually almost just like, out of my seat. I was like, oh no, if, if this is what it's like in the water, tip mm -hmm. of the iceberg, 
Mm-hmm. That means when he's on land, it's gonna be just like ten times worse. I got two. I got two things on that. One personal, because um, personal. as this whole sequence was going down, and Jessica and I were in that movie theater watching this, <laughs> she, as this sequence began, because I told her at the beginning of this movie, look, I am dead exhausted, but I don't want to miss this, so. At any point, if you turn over and I am nodding off, you have my full permission to elbow and punch the hell out of me to make sure that I stay awake. Now, with that being said, I was fully awake because I'm like, damn. And then as this is about ready to go down, Jessica leaps out of her seat like she got up and started slapping me across the chest. Like going, pay attention to that. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm awake. I'm, 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 because, and she just started pointing at the screen, like it's about to go down. I'm like, okay, something's, something's about to happen. Um, the second thing, the beam, which we'll go, we'll go a little deeper into in a minute. But I know Yamazaki said his favorite Godzilla movie, and a lot, and there's a lot of borrowed inspirations from GMK. He said that's. Arguably one of his favorite ones. He actually did. He hosted a screening of it right before Minus One premiered. And the imprints of that movie are all over this film. Like there, there were such subtle nods that like if you were if you're not a fan, you won't pick them up. But if you have studied these uh, films like Jessica and I have and many others have, like scholars studying the Dead Sea Scrolls, you immediately recognize a lot of the things. And the the blast, when he shoots, turns into that mushroom cloud that oh. is reminiscent of the first time when Godzilla shows up in GMK. And you see him charging up, and then you just see this mushroom cloud. Now, the unfortunate problem with that is that the budget would not allow Kaneko to keep doing that every single time because he's got to fight three other monsters. And it's going to be expensive and and just the logistics of like an atomic bomb going off every time he shoots that would make things end very quickly but it was a nice nod yamazaki's like no every time he does that (laughs) that's what's going to happen and i will make sure that's what's going to happen because yeah not long after that we get the assault on on giza which as you brought up 90 i would say 95 percent of Actually, every scene of Godzilla, at proper Godzilla, not the Godzilla source, Godzilla himself, is in utter, complete daylight, which blew me away. Like, I was trying to remember, like, well, no, because all because the big shin like beam attack was at night, because you know it's violent and it's you know it's violent and it looks prettier at night. I I can't remember the last time a Japanese Godzilla movie was like 95% done in the day. Like I, I was trying to go back in my head. I'm going back as far as I could. I'm like, final wars didn't do it. Like I think no, even, even the final battles in both the Mecha Godzilla movies were at night. Like, and there was only one daylight battle in GMK. Like mega gears was the last time they had a full daylight battle. So going almost 20 years now outside of the legendary movies was the last time a Japanese Godzilla movie had anything like this, just go on in the daylight, which I found so refreshing. 
because that is, and not only that, but I, I do believe because there, when that assault goes down, it is one giant homage to the original films, like for Godzilla's first main assault on Tokyo. And that one is done all, all completely at night. So it would only make sense. It's like, okay, if we're going to do that, let's add a twist to it. This is daylight, but it just, there's always something like when you're seeing terror done in like bright daylight, it just adds this sense of dread that you cannot, like this feels even, even deeper than when you're doing at night. Cause at night there's atmosphere to it. But when you're seeing like fast destruction, as the sun is just shining down, it's supposed to be the, you know, the part of the, of the day where, you know, you feel at your best and everyone's up and about and then just utter destruction happens that that's always so much so much more impactful to me i think it's just because most filmmakers just they go for the the low-hanging fruit of like now darkness and you know because also we can hide some things we can hide some effects yamazaki's like no 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 you're gonna see every detail like there was jim cameron level of detail in the digital <laughs> destruction that i saw and again I'm going to hammer this several times during this whole podcast. This destruction scene looked as good as anything, anything Hollywood has done in the last 15 years. Like I will put dimes to dollars to, you know, any, there are times like when I watched Avatar 2, about 20 minutes in that movie, I'm like, those do not look like digital. They look like people in, uh, costumes that's how good the digital effects were but that movie also cost 500 million dollars but at the other end of the spectrum all the wacky nonsense that cameron put in there like the big you know the sentient whale that helps them out halfway through the film i'm like that looks a little rough at times and i get it you can only make something that's that fantastical only looks so real godzilla looks like he's there, like the people are actually like the city, the streets are buckling under his feet as people are running. When you see his foot come down, like, and they get stomped, like it feels like everyone, like that, that is all happening. That at no point was the, any uncanny Valley really hit me. And like, I'm like, yeah, that looks fake. I'm like, no, this, this, this is astonishing. And I love the fact that he looked like, just to compare it to the newest ones, which is Godzilla, it, mm -hmm. I mean, which is legendary, excuse yeah. me. It looked like when Godzilla's walking, the buildings happened to be in his way. Yeah. They were like more of um, a bystanders yeah. that innocent bystanders that got taken out. Unless mm -hmm. he's obviously fighting, then the buildings go down, right? Yeah. This was like a Godzilla that said, screw your buildings. I don't like mm -hmm. your roads. I don't like your people. I don't like your trains. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he was just destroying everything because he didn't like anything that he saw. Yes. He was actively going through the building and the town, mm -hmm. which I found it's, very, I liked it. There's a meme that someone put together of like various like clips from Godzilla, like the nineties and two thousands Godzilla movies of just him going through buildings. It says, screw this building, screw that building. It's like just him kicking it, this building in particular. That's what that whole thing felt like. And then they did add, like, it, you know, once the tanks and stuff start opening fire on him, and he just gets start 
start getting madder and just start just flailing about. The, again, the attention to detail. So when he's in the water, he's moving like a marine iguana. Like you can see like he's, he's fast. He's, he's fluid. But when he comes on the land, like it, this is what kind of didn't hit me the first time until, until I actually went and did the ride and notice how Godzilla walked in that in comparison to how minus one walks. But the (laughs) second time around, yeah, the weird tank movement, like just like this. And the first time I saw it, it was a little jarring. I'm like, Oh, okay. Because all the previews show him like there's points where he's like spinning around and like he looks like he's moving kind of fast, but the wide shots of him like moving, he's just this And his wolf. belly down here is yeah. like on <laughs> like undulating as he's moving, but it was the second time around, I'm like, no, this actually makes sense because this is probably the first time he's on land since he's mutated and he's grown. Now he has all this mass that he has to carry around. It would not make sense for him to be, you know, sauntering about like just because the even the original 54 one, he moved slow and methodically. And um, and I think that was just an aesthetic choice because, you know, poor Nakajima in that, that 200 pound suit. It's like you can't you can only go so far. So. <clears throat> this did feel much more uh, on the second viewing. I'm like, okay, this was an aesthetic choice, and it does make sense when considering it. Like, this is his first time truly coming on land, and you're considering like the the amount, like the size and the mass. Like, he's learning to literally walk again. Like, he's not the ad. Like, gone are all the dinosaur esque features like because when he's the Godzilla source he's got like the T-Rex legs with the bent knees and everything now he's standing up he has a more human posture and he's having to learn to walk like you know he's having to learn to walk in a new way and he's carrying all this mass with him and the only time that like he's fluid is like when he's just throwing his momentum like when the tail is just tearing through the buildings and you just see all this rubble flying through the subtle again the the beautiful nod the the train biting sequence absolutely love that and i just and i feel like i just watched this done with the last mission impossible movie because there's a whole train sequence where everyone's dangling from a train over over a cliffside but this one didn't wear out it's welcome like the mission possible movie did and there was it really did feel like there was you know there was definitely more stakes in it but I love the fact that he's just carrying that train around, like kind of like a dog with like a bone in his mouth. And like part of the car, like the secondary car is just dangling. And he's just like, huh. And just tosses it like like it's nothing. <clears throat> I also love the things just get tossed. There are so many things just being tossed in this movie. Like Yamazaki loves tossing the train large toss. objects. You know he's coming when you see an object fly across the screen. Yes. I love that that yes the 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 um the kind of like the heralding of his arrival is some you know a car a train car a piece of building a whole damn ship getting thrown <laughs> you know 150 300 feet you know from where it was picked up like a tornado tossing a trailer um that 
the reporters on the roof. I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's that is a great that that's a great callback to the uh, reporters on Tokyo Tower. Except this time they're on top of um, uh, oh god, I forgot the name of the building. But as he's as the as they're unloading on him, and he just clips the side with his tail, and you just fall. The camera just follows these poor guys as they're falling to their death. As the building crumbles, I'm like, that is such a gorgeous shot. And again, just hammering down, like, no, this is not a, it's neither a heroic Godzilla, nor is he, like, legitimately evil. This is, tr like, at, this is the first time I felt like Toho really just made, like, a animalistic Godzilla. Like, he is just this thing. He's angry because he just got half his face blown up. Uh, he's been horrifically mutated by nuclear energy and pretty much he's just mad at everything. It's just, it's, 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 if someone had put a lion in a cage, didn't feed him for two weeks and then just kept hammering the bars, like and teasing him. And then like, okay, we're going to open the cage and then let's see what this thing does. And yeah, it's going to be mad and attack anything that comes in its way. Um, can you imagine, then, though, from his point of view, he's just living his life on his island, mm -hmm. doing his thing, and mm -hmm. then you come along onto his island, and he wants to protect his territory. Then one day, he's just swimming in the ocean, doing his thing, and then he yep. gets exploded at, and now yep. he's got a big old body, mm -hmm. and I'm sure mutating hurts. I, mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to feel good. It's maybe like an anamorphs situation, mm -hmm. uh, you know? And now he's big, and he said, I know who's responsible, and I hate yeah. all of you. Yes. <laughs> like, it without losing – because that's the thing I have I have seen some people, like, any criticism of this movie is that if the, there are some people that – you know, this is the argument people have been making about the legendary films that they've moved away from the atomic bomb metaphor. Um, I would argue in as much in this movie, like – He's not as much, you know, he's not as much as the atomic bomb metaphor as he was in the first movie. Like this is because of the personal story. This this doesn't come across as as heavy handed as the original movie. Like, yes, the metaphor is still in there, but it's it's in a different context. Like this is more or less. Uh, how do I put this? Like this is this is this. This just feels like the universe is crapping on Japan once again. Like it's not even so much like this is, you know, what what the horrors of atomic, you know, atomic energy will do. This this is just for some reason like screw this place, you know, in particular kind of thing. Like it, it plays into the idea of like the minus one, you know, um, names. Like we just literally got firebombed. Japan got set back to zero. As we're rebuilding, it'd be like I just survived a heart attack and I got in my car, you know, leaving the hospital and I got sideswiped by a Jeep running a red light. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I survived it, but now I got to go back in the damn hospital because now I have to have my collarbone pop back in. So that that more or less that that is, you know, that's what came across more because. At no again, at no point, very rare military intervention in this movie. And again, Yamazaki did a great job of explaining 
why the you know the Japanese military couldn't do their thing, why the Amer American military couldn't really intervene, and you know just watching Godzilla just trample on the public at at all point. It's just people. It's just people going about their lives, and then on this particular day. They got caught up in some, you know, just some series of unfortunate events. And the moment when he charges up the the um, the beam for the first time and the spikes start popping out, which I thought was a great again. And I, I, I don't mind adding new things if you're going to do a new literations. It's kind of the reason why I love Shin, because Ano and Higuchi just went. What if he shot, you know, the beams out of his back? I'm pretty sure that's, you know, I drew that as a kid. I'm pretty sure they came up, you know, they thought it's like, well, it comes out of his mouth. Why couldn't it come out of his spine? It's like, obviously, they glow every time. Let's just turn that into, like, part of the weapon. So adding these little these little tidbits, I, I'm always down for. And the um, way they shot it, the way Yamazaki shoots it, and the point mm -hmm. of view when you see the spines pop up, that's mm -hmm. when you're like, Oh, crap. Yeah, it's this sense of dread, like building, because you know what's coming. You know exactly what's going Aesthetically, like, I still like my Godzilla to have his spines a different color than the rest of his body. It's my one quip with the legendary design up to this point is that he's all one solid color. Um, this one did the same thing. The spines are the same color as the rest of his body, and except when he starts charging up then they've they, you know they turned the 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 classic blue um i did see someone point out that it's supposed to be you know they're supposed to replicate like when an atomic or like when a nuclear reactor goes on the rods start popping up like that idea but it also feels like when you cock because especially the way when he finally sh you know releases the beam it's almost like a, the hammer on a revolver, like when you pull it back, like the way they pull, they all go up. And then when he when he does the rear back and you can see him like kind of inhale and the, the energy start like sh like shining out, they go down and he shoots. And like it feels like a gun that goes off, like like a revolver, like you got to let the hammer go down and then the bullet comes out. And that shot of like. The beam just tearing across like five miles of real estate and causing a nuclear level explosion that, again, the attention to detail, the just the shockwave and then the the Blast. pressure, the yeah. pressure equalizing beautifully done. And that's when we see. Um, um, again, sorry, it's a little late and it's been a long week for me. I, I'm Is blanking it when on her Mariko name. pushes Koichi out of the way? And then she just she gets flies. sucked right off into the debris. And when he comes out, like, and he has that moment of, like, just, I'm being punished. I'm being punished by the universe. And he starts, you know, crying as you see, like, the black rain come down. And he's just looking as Godzilla's just standing there roaring angrily as this mushroom cloud is in the distance like beautifully done like and just really hammering home that like this guy cannot this poor guy cannot catch a break um and by the way this is only 
halfway through the movie. Like the first half of this movie moves at such a breakneck pace. Like, um, like upon second viewing, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, they're already there. Like, I could have, you know, again, but watching it, you know, with one bloodshot eye open the first time around, and in, you know, without any of the translation, I completely like this is only this is a two hour movie. The only thing, the main thing I just remembered was that that middle part. There's a lot of talking going on, but when we moved into that portion, like watching it this time with the translation, so much more in depth. Like just the struggle of everyone, the fact that it's not a military operation. The people themselves have well, to band together. Some of the together. military background, though. They, they have, have military gone. background, but it is, is not an official military. Like they make it. They adamantly clear this is not an official military operation because we can't you know they can't get involved the people have to deal with this giant monster on their own and so they band together like okay uh we just lost a lot of we a lot of citizens there's this giant monster out in the bay he will be back we have to figure out how to fix this problem because no one else is going to fix it for us the government's not going right. to fix it Right. No one else. We have to do it. And that rallying of like the, you know, here's the plan. I remember watching the when I was watching it without it and he pulls the curtain up and you see Godzilla in the water. There's a part of me like, are they really going to do like a take on the oxygen? Because I just saw bubbles and stuff. I'm like, and then when he sank and I saw that, I'm like, oh, no, no, they're doing th again without needing any trends. I realized, oh, they're trying to try to kill him with pressure. Like that was abundantly clear. I'm like, that's that's actually genius. Like Yamazaki really thought of a great way to like, okay, how would people with limited resources deal with a, you know, you know, was he like a uh, 150, you know, 150 feet, 150 foot monster that uh, can regenerate and shoot a beam death at, you know a, a beam of death at anybody um but you know when doc Frank is explaining insane, but i was on board and what yes, made me laugh was the little wooden godzilla toy that they yeah. used to and he's and by the way i do love the fact that like you see serious doc and he's, he's explaining the whole thing and everyone's like is this going to work he's like yes but I can't guarantee it. Like he's like, in theory, like the the math is there. The math checks out. The math checks out. But I cannot promise that it, you know, a one hundred percent guarantee. Like I can promise you eighty percent, but that twenty percent is still pretty big. And if you're gonna go out there and we're gonna do this, like we're gonna, we're you know, lives will be put on the line. And it, again, a great moment when they're like, look, you're not being forced to do this. If any of you don't want to do this, no shame, go home. And like 10 dudes are like, hey, I got a family. I just, we just went through a war. I'm yeah. not doing this again. And there was, and when they're like, look, good luck, but I, I'm not putting my neck out again, you know, for this stuff. It Again, another great moment of like, again, the, the humanity aspect of this, it's like, Yes. The, there's just such realism being hammered down. Like I, I, stuff like that, I was absolutely in love with in this film. And then when they even asked us, like, okay, so if the pressure doesn't kill him, 
what then? And he's like, well, I thought of that. So if the crushing pressure doesn't kill him, we're going to shoot him right back up, kind of like a deep sea fish when they bloat. And then the pressure change, that should kill him. I'm like, it's pressure one way, it's pressure the other way. I'm like, this, this is still like such a wacky but believable, I you know, plan. I'm like, I believe that these guys could pull it off. I'm like, this, this, this is a genius way. Like every other aspect of any Godzilla movie is the military coming up with either some super weapon or another monster. But this time it's just the people with what limited resources they have banding together and figuring out how are we going to deal with this new threat? That is where this movie completely won me over. I, at this point, I'm like, this movie is absolutely, it, it's nearly perfect in my opinion. But then we get the added aspect of like, well, how do we make sure Godzilla's in the spot that he needs to be? And that's when our reluctant hero says, I'll do it. I can get in a plane and I can lure him. <clears throat> Problem is there's no planes. So they ended up finding one, which was this, I forgot, I'm blanking on the name, this experimental plane that um, Japan used. I remember seeing this thing. I'm like, man, that's that's actually an awesome design. They but the problem also is, used his own roar against him to make yes. him feel like that there was a territorial battle. So yes. that they were like putting in, in the water his own roar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the fact Godzilla doesn't recognize his own voice. He's like, hey, there's some dick that sounds like me out there. Like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Which, you know, it still falls in the lore. Because officially there's always been two Godzillas. The first one was killed. And then the second one is all is the is the one we follow all the adventures of. Um so again, it's not like Yamakasi's stepping on anything. He's at he's diligently playing with the lore that was that was put out there and i do love the fact that they treat him like an he's like an animal he's not um you know he's he's the, he's just this animal that is kind of a slight against god but we have to we have to deal with it so let's play into the biological aspects it's like well he's territorial he considers tokyo part of his territory now and Whenever he's going to come back, it's always going to be a bad time for everybody. So we got to deal with this before he decides he wants to come back and hang out for a little bit. So they figure, I think, what, they got like eight days or something like that before they figure he makes a turnaround and comes back. So we but get. I love how nothing goes as planned and he arrives early. <laughs> of course, because that's the only way it works. That's the only way it works. And our hero realizing, okay. I, this is my redemption arc. Like the girl I did not want to admit that I loved died right in front of me once again because of, you know, like it, he can, you know, like he's blaming himself for all of this. He's like, I could have stopped this years ago if I just did not hesitate and pull the, pull the trigger on those guns. And now it's come back to bind him. And like the survivor's guilds getting into the point he's now, quietly suicidal and 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 he lures it, out the mechanic by angering him oh brilliant way like just talking mad found. he's like i know a guy i know a guy and he's doing everything he can to find him and he and he's like they're like look we can get you like 
Here's the last couple of known addresses. So all he does, he turns into a 1940s version of an internet troll and sends <laughs> all of this mad crap talking letters to this dude who beats him over the head with like a club when he sees him. And he, the whole moment of like, hey, you're alive. It's like, what the hell is this? It's like, I, I need your help. Go to hell if you think I'm helping you. He's like, no, no, no. You saw the big dinosaur thing, right? We got a plan, but we need someone who, who can fix a plane. And the war's and this, not over. Yes. And the war is not over. And that's the, what's the, important to soldiers is to end the war. Yes. To him, the war's not over. To, to a lot of these guys, the war is not over. And this, this does represent, like, I've, the arc of, like, I you know, I'm now so depressed that I'm now contemplating doing the thing that I chickened out on originally that now I'm willing to go on a suicide run because me not doing it in the first place led to all this. Like, again, just this beautiful arc and the mechanic sees it on him. He's like, are you planning to do what I think you're going to do? And at first you're like, is he, going to let him do what we think he's going to do but there's a nice there's a there, there's a beautiful little ps to that but we get to the plan and again i one of the things that when they're on when they're on the water and they ask it's like well we got to contend with his godzilla's ray of death and doc explains he's like well the thing is he can't use it on stop like he has to recharge it so if we can get him to either use it once and, it, you know, we'll make this decoy. We ha we'll have a decoy ship. He'll use it. And then that gives us a window of time before it recharges that we can do all this and get away, like, safe. He's like, I calculate all this. Like, we've studied this. We've studied from what we've seen, what we studied of him. Like, we got, like, a window of, like, maybe, like, 10 to 12 minutes to sink his ass to the bottom of the ocean. And if he doesn't die there, he'll die when he comes up. So little details like that, I absolutely loved. Get the plane going. Godzilla shows up early. Again, by tossing a ship like four miles inland. You just see this thing like it felt like it, it's like it's like in Pacific Rim when Gypsy's walking with the with the tanker to, you know, beat Otachi over the head with when he knocks out his and just goes flying like stuff like that. This ending battle. On the second, second, excuse me, <coughs> second viewing, it just hit so much harder. The the fact that he's leaving the note for their neighbor, take care of his daughter, that she's realizing like, oh crap, this guy's, you know, after we kind of, you know, after she gave him grief for not doing what he did, but then kind of like reneging on that and like going like. No, like you kind of were right to do what you did. Um, and now she, you know, she's like, no, you're not going to finally do the thing, you know, you were supposed to do, but now we don't want you to do because you're just so stricken with grief and you feel like you have to rectify something. So he gets in the plane. Because Beautiful every time scene. someone tells him, make sure you don't die and don't do anything stupid, he never mm -hmm. answers. No. No, and that that whole build oh eloquently paid off. 
because once he gets in that plane, you can see like his confidence come back. Like he's no longer this scared, almost like this scared boy. Like he, like he, in a way, kind of regains like, and again, hesitant to say, but like he kind of regains like his manhood in a way. Like he regains the confidence that he had before this whole incident. Like because now he has purpose. Like he's he, as he says, he's ending the war and lures Godzilla back out into the ocean. They get Godzilla to blast the decoy ship. And then these two tank, these two battleships are in like circling around Godzilla, trapping him in what's essentially a pool net. And then dropping him to the bottom of the ocean, which I think they said was like, like 1500 feet or something like that. Like it's, 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 you know, pretty crushing. And then when they realize, um, he starts yanking the ship again, back again to the jaws references when the ships start getting yanked back and they're like, crap, he's still alive. All right, shoot him back up. And, uh, you see him like you, you can see like the, the, the depth gauge go up and then it stops. And then you see the, the rafts come and they're like that clever, that clever bastard. Like it's going to be harder than we thought. And when Godzilla finally, like, then we get the moment of, like, Kid coming with all the tugboats to help them yank Godzilla out. You're just like, this, yeah, that that's the Avengers moment when they're all coming through the portal. when they all come out through Doctor Strange's yes. portals? <laughs> yes. And then they hoist Godzilla out, and he's falling apart. Like, the, the chunks of him are coming off, but he starts recharging, like, his blast. Like, the, the plan didn't. The plan didn't exactly work. Like he's he's hurt, and like yeah. he's he can't heal as fast as he's injured, and he starts charging the blast, and you see that moment of like Doc on the ship, and he's like, "Well, I guess that's it." <laughs> and then we get the moment of the plane just zooming across. Again, it felt like right out it's of nowhere. Like too, there's no sound in the film. It's like that scene. And time stops. Of, and time yes, stops. Yes, it's like. Like that mo like at the end of Dunkirk, when you see the plane as it's ran out of fuel, just going ac zooming across the beach, there's no sound. You just see it glide. And it's just as like time stops. And we get the flash, you know, back of like the mechanic saying, Okay, took out the guns, took out all this, put a bomb here, bomb there, and kind of telling them is like, So are you doing what I think you're doing? And uh, we get the maybe I am, and there's that cutaway for a second, and you see the plane go right into Godzilla's mouth, and just this massive explosion. And got as the smoke clears, the top of his damn head is gone, like it is off. I never thought I'd see the day of that much, like that kind of visceral, like gore ever done in a Japanese Godzilla movie. I'm like, this movie's got some balls on it. And then we get the Spielberg moment. There's the parachute. And what we find out the last second was that the mechanic was like, And no. there's hints of it, too, that he puts yeah. in the director's seat in it. Because, then, yeah, then they cut away. He's like, here's the thing that you, we, you know, none, none, none of the uh, kamikaze planes had an ejector seat. When you're ready, you hit that. And and he tells him, you better hit that. I didn't put that there just for the sake of it. And like, if you're going to do what I think you're going to do, you hit that thing after you, after you activate the bombs. 
And when you hear them on the radio, he's listening to the radio and they're like, we see the parachute. He's like, did it. He did it. We get this beautiful moment at like Godzilla sinks the bomb. He just falls apart. Like again, a callback to GMK, like the, Energy is like shooting out of him. And he just crumbles into this helix mass that starts floating to the bottom of the ocean. Comes back. And he gets, our hero gets a, a letter. And he runs and we're at a hospital. And lo and behold, his beloved is still alive. Which is, when I initially watched it, I went, BS. There is no goddamn way in hell she survived that force of like just the force itself would have obliterated her like just let's be honest like there are some like physics were not you know completely taken in but when you see the little black marks start growing on her neck you're like oh okay so there there is an explanation to this like there's something else more like that that it's our our uh our inception moment of like well, maybe Godzilla is not dead because immediately right after that, as you see the mass sinking to the bottom and you see what looks like his heart, it just starts growing and mutating and re and then credits. Her being alive was like mm -hmm. the second, B for some people, the second BS moment. The first mm -hmm. time was when Koichi is able to find Noriko in Ginza. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Eco Tower destruction mess situation i was like just shows no a way you can yeah. find this woman in a crowd of running screaming folks yeah but the movie's the movie's so good you, yeah like there's clearly something cut for time but the story's so like everything's so good you they, again it's one of those you know leaps of logic you're willing to take just because everything else yeah. is that damn good yeah um and she was she was great and I think that she's a character that should also be talked about because she mm. went out too fast, even though she was such an important part. Yes. And she's still and the driving force in the second half of that movie. She I is. She is. She's a very compassionate and very loving character. Um, mm -hmm. And the fact that she's smart. When yes. the train was dangling from his mouth, she aimed so she fell over the water. Mm-hmm. And then got out. And the fact is, I did feel, though, the female character has the Mothra moment. Like, when mm -hmm. she pushed him in and she got blasted, I was like, women be sacrificing. <laughs> like, I was like, what is Yeah. This? Like, she got to go. <laughs> I, you know, there's a term that a lot of modern film critics, they call this fridging. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Character. Yeah. Yeah. From the I, from the comics I would, with yeah. yes. I would not argue. I would argue this isn't exactly fridging because the fake out of her death does is detrimental in in the decisions that lead to the victory. Like, and the fact of like, okay, I'm you know I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not going to leave the the girl I raised as my daughter, an orphan, like there's, there's a lot that goes in there. So it is, you know, it, I would argue that her death is still quite important to the overall arc of the story and that her alive. And by the way, bandages, but nothing like not a scratch on her skin. None of that. 
Like you that's where I went bull. Like no, but when I said no, Kazuki and he's explaining, this, oh no no no, like here's the thing you miss with the cells. It's implicating that people, not just her, but a lot of people that were in in Ginza that day that were caught in that blast and that attack might be infected with Godzilla cells. Like this is the unintended consequences of Godzilla, this mutated creature that exists outside of normal biology. This is the effect it's, it will have on, you know, the lasting effect it will have beyond the fact that it is regenerating. So it's the argument that like Godzilla's regenerative properties have got, have infected people. Now what that means, that's, a, you know, one of those things that Yamazaki has led, you know, it's, it's the, it's the gold glow in the briefcase. That is for you to decide, but it is, you know, in second viewing, it does lead a little more like, okay, it's a little more believable, but it's still like she would have just been ripped apart from just the yeah, concussion yeah, blast right. alone. But <laughs> we're taking leaps and some bounds in a movie about a giant atomic dinosaur. So I we can give a little leeway. Also, no body, mm -hmm. no crime, no death. You can't you can't prove anything. We never saw her body. Never saw a body. She just got sucked away, and then that was it. Um, but overall, overall, this is a damn good. This is not. It's not just a damn good Godzilla. This is a damn good movie in general. And like I said, at the opening of this, I am beyond ecstatic that people have taken to this movie as well as as well as well as it has been received. Like. I know it's doing damn well in Japan, but the fact that people over here, you know, mm. they're going to a Godzilla, they're going to a subtitled Japanese movie. Yes, it's a Godzilla movie, but I am seeing left and right people walking out like going that. No, that is a fantastic movie in its own right. Like everything top to bottom, the story, the acting the effects all of it this is just a good movie and when i saw the box office return on monday i was kind of blown away because look uh the beyonce concert film you know came in number one it did not do taylor swift numbers but it did damn well for itself but the upside to beyonce's film versus taylor swift beyonce only had three days and then she left. And as we're recording this on Wednesday, I'm looking at the box office reports. The second that, you know, her concert film left theaters, it wasn't like everyone's like, all right, well, let's just go watch Hunger Games. No, word of mouth pushed Godzilla to the number one spot. Like it was number one on Monday, which has not happened for a foreign film in almost 20 years, especially a foreign film that's subtitled. So that's a big deal. Uh, in the last three days, it's added. It's so it made eleven million dollars in the two preview nights, which were only like I think two showings a piece. Like on Wednesday, there was there was the IMAX on Wednesday, there was the early showings on Thursday, and then Friday was the full was the full day. So it came in at eleven million. Came in number three, which is damn impressive in a time when there's kind of you know there's a there's a Disney movie out there right now. It's not doing that great, but 
the fact that there's a Godzilla movie that beat out an animated Disney movie, I never thought I would see the day. Never. Not once. Like, even the legendary films, I, I would say if they went against, like, a Pixar movie, people are going to go see the Pixar. It's just the basic economics of, like, you're taking your kids. So that's why family movies are always a better bet because kids want to go see it. Parents got to go with the kids. So you're for two tickets, you're getting four. But word of mouth has been exceptionally strong. And the box office reports I'm looking at right now, because the film got extended for another week. Um, the math I'm seeing being done that if the predictions hold as they are, there is a very strong chance that while it won't be number one next weekend, it could be the first movie in a national release, a national wide release that maybe dips 2%, which is unheard of in modern box office. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, if it does, if it makes $10 million and it made one and made $11 million last weekend, <coughs> that is the dream of every studio and every theater, like everyone's coming back and the same amount of people are coming back to see it again to where it makes just as much money on the second week as it does the first week. That is, I, I cannot hammer how nuts that is. And the fact that a Japanese Godzilla movie is doing that, just, it almost brings a tear to my eye. Like everybody that I've, I took my friend, Jeff, he's a big Godzilla fan. And he's also a movie nut, and he's very critical of a lot of stuff that we watch. And we watch this thing in 4DX, Ooh. which, by the way, I've Ooh. seen quite a few movies. The first movie I ever saw in 4DX was, was uh, actually, no, I take that back. First movie I saw in 4DX was the seventh Fast and Furious movie. So I, I pick my Ooh. movies in. And usually the first film I see, uh, for, when I go 4DX, it's the second viewing. I don't like to do first viewings. Last time I went, I saw Top Gun Maverick, a movie I love to death. And that movie in the 4DX theater I saw, whoever is in charge of those seats cranked that thing up and broke the knob off. Because when I'm sitting there, as Maverick <laughs> is doing the, the canyon run, my seat is leaning all the way back and trying to buck me out of it. So Jessica and I, when we watched it in Japan, I'm like, hmm. I mean, there's a lot of talking going on in this movie. I don't see how this is going to completely translate to 4DX. Oh, they made it work. They made it work fantastically. Like, they really played the elements. When you're on the boat, those seats are... They're walking because I, I realized that a lot the main battle happens in the sea, in mm -hmm. the ocean, where yep. kind of Godzilla is kind of from, which is what yeah. I really liked. And I can mm -hmm. also see why Yamazaki did the ride pre this. Mm -hmm. I can, but I figured in 4DX you would kind of. Oh, the gen, the rocking's the rock. Yeah, the rocking's gentle. It's just doing its thing. Like you, when you're on the boat, like when they're moving, like it bounces with you. When Godzilla shows up in Ginza, every footstep, that seat rattles in unison with every footstep. Like that was in, like it's just jumping you like the entire time. The moment he shoots that beam in Ginza, I, I, you, 
you can ask our friend Lenny because he he hit me up yesterday because he went watching 40x. I wore, I told him I'm like this is the nuttiest 40x experience I've ever had. That when that beam hits, when it fires, and then the explosion hits, that seat went back, and then it did everything in its power to throw my 300 pound frame across the damn movie theater. Like there was a point I was like holding on for. I'm like I need a seatbelt. Holy crap! Like my buddy even turned to me. He's like, "What the hell?" Like. The entire theater was just like, what just happened? Like the seats were trying to murder us. Like it was, it was turning into freaking a maximum Maximum. overdrive. (laughs) Oh, that bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. So if you get a chance, go see it in 40X because they make it worth the time. So I know I've seen it in screen X and 40X and I might take in an IMAX showing this weekend, but there is a brand new Miyazaki movie out, so I got to make some Sophie's choices. So is it the boy and the heron? Yes. Yes. I've not missed a single Miyazaki movie since Princess Mononoke. I've seen every one of them in theater since they came out. So, and God only knows this might be the last one, and there's no way in hell I am missing that. Um, but that said, a Sophie's um, choice situation. Yeah. Well, it's like I can go watch Godzilla again. Or I can watch the new Miyazaki movie, and both of them are going to be sharing IMAX screens. I'm like, that's a lot of money right now. That's like twenty bucks a pop. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see where we'll see where the day takes me. But overall, just this is such a damn good movie. Um, I've seen people argue the best Godzilla movie. I I will hear arguments for that, but I I don't. I'm very rare. I'm very hard pressed that like when when a something you know new comes in on a on a long running series, I you know sometimes I'll jump to that conclusion like oh this is the best one. But then there are times I'm like no you gotta let time you gotta let time cook. You gotta let time you know take its take you know take its place. And then you can go come back in a few years and then reassess it. Truly, where does this stand in the uh, the pantheon? Right. But I've seen people call it the best of the entire series, even over the original. Uh, for me, it's damn. It's definitely in the top five. I'll I'll say that. Is it my favorite? No, but you know what? On first viewing, Shin didn't really capture me. But subsequent viewings of Shin, I've really come around to love Shin a lot. Um, but I, as as I told someone on Twitter, I I was you know born a Mechagodzilla seventy four lover, and I will die a Mechagodzilla seventy four lover. And there's nothing so far that has changed my stance on that being my absolute favorite Godzilla movie. Um, but I'm just happy to see people who normally would not watch these mo- watch these movies actively going out to seek this movie, yes. watch it, and then coming out completely flabbergasted by how good a Godzilla movie can be. Yes. Yeah. Vindication. Vindication, (laughs) Jessica. Your, your thoughts. I'm sorry. I've been ranting for a minute. No, no. I feel like if regular moviegoers or just movie lovers or people who passively go can say that they love it or that Mm -hmm. they really liked it and thought it was better than they thought that Mm -hmm. they thought it would be Mm -hmm. is a huge testament to the film itself. It mm-hmm. is one of my favorite Godzilla films. 
because there are films, there are in the Godzilla films, there are films that mm-hmm. I like for its moments. Mm-hmm. And then there are films that I love overall. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's very different for me. Um, because I try even even if it's a bad movie, I try to find something salvageable in it. For Green Lantern, it was the scene when they say we are the core yeah. on Oa, because I never thought mm-hmm. I would actually see that happen. Uh, that yeah. movie was not good overall. No. Uh, yeah. However, that scene really meant a lot to me because I've always ever seen it only in animation or read about it in the comics. But to mm-hmm. actually see an entire Lantern core say we are the core and then do the the oath itself is if said right is very powerful or it could be said very cheesily but when they shoot their beams in the sky right everything's amazing so that movie overall was hoof but i like that moment and there are some godzilla films in the same way where i don't ever actively dislike it much like batman better to have godzilla than no godzilla Mm. there are some films that i'm like this is not for me or the whole thing is mediocre, but I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed and loved this moment. And it really stood out to me. <coughs> and it really sticks out in my mind, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then there are some films that I just like from beginning to end. Yeah. This one was one of those that is like beginning to end. You mm. know, there's a few grievances here and there, no films perfect, but it definitely is my top five my top five, like closer to top three, mm-hmm. I would actually say, because I did enjoy Shin a lot. I mm. really liked Shin a lot. This is mm-hmm. still higher for Shin than me, for me. And then mm. there were others that I actually, I mean, it's really hard to beat, honestly, the 1954. I am a 74 Godzilla as well, but the 1954 is always the original. It's very hard to replace the original. Also, it's shot in black and white. Is it a different nuance to it when mm-hmm. you're watching it? When something's in black and white. But I feel like it is definitely top five. For sure. So I don't know. I don't know. I I it's very rare for me to be so excited and to like a film and watch it multiple times in theater. This is Mm -hmm. one of those that I can watch multiple times in theater because you can have a good movie, but it's so heavy. You can't watch it again in theater because for example, like if you really like Oppenheimer or the Batman, the one with Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can rewatch it again. They're just such heavy films. This one is heavy, but you can still rewatch because there's no action and thrill to it. And being being under two hours does help a lot. And being under two hours, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it was definitely one of those that is more like I didn't. I was very, very happy to love it mm-hmm. because the title of it needed some explanation because mm-hmm. people thought minus one was so weird. But when yeah. you're already at ground zero because your country is devastated from war and Godzilla mm-hmm. comes and like devastates you even further, it's like the saying of. I've hit rock bottom, but I've continued digging. You know, like I've kept digging, yeah. so I hit rock bottom. This is like negative. So I was like, I don't know too much about this movie. I just know it's about devastation. For not knowing too much and going into the film and coming out, 
I thought mm-hmm. it was absolutely beautiful, a great masterpiece, and it is beautifully shot. Like a lot of the scenery is gorgeous, especially out in the ocean. I really, really loved it. So I would still say, even after some thinking, it's definitely my top five. Yeah. It's not one of my favorites that I could rewatch. So I I'm so glad we got to watch this in Japan. Like this definitely it did feel special. It felt I mean the, technically this is the 70th anniversary movie even though it came out on the 69th anniversary. 69th was a roundup, roundup. Yeah, I know Toho considers this the 70th anniversary film. I, I, know, I know why they released it when they did because you know, our next episode we're going to be talking about you know, the trailer for Godzilla and Kong, which, you know, will be out, you know, probably in the summer in Japan, which will be, you know, full blown into the 70th anniversary. But this, this did feel worthy of that, that, you know, moment, you know, the momentous occasion. I mean, you look at the anniversary films, the 20th anniversary movie was Mechagodzilla. The 30th was Return of Godzilla. The 40th was Space Godzilla. And then the 50th, was Final Wars, and I think you can consider the legendary film technically the 60th anniversary because it didn't come out on the 60th anniversary. But in, to- in the pantheon of actual Toho produced films, this feels worthy of that that um, that title of like this. You know, this is the watermark of how long this character has not only survived but thrived in pop culture. <clears throat> um. I'm I'm happy I'm happy as a as a pig in a pen that you know Toho is not you know they they've reversed course from 20 years ago 30 years ago of like look we just consider these films you know cheap they're meant to sell toys we'll crank them out once a year um they're they've backed away from that like if Shin and this are any indication of like okay when we decide to do another live action we will find a filmmaker that has you know the talent to deliver the quality that we want and also freeing up the filmmakers to really tell their stories i mean ano and higuchi got to tell their godzilla yamazaki got to tell his godzilla this did not feel like and either those neither of those films at all feel like mandates of like we need to sell toys we need to sell merch so you have to do X, Y, and Z. Like they're, they're like, this feels so hands off. Like here's the money, here's the character, here's, I mean, what you can do. But even Shin, Shin broke so many different like rules that felt like they were set before. Like just even the fact that Godzilla like evolves. Like even, and by the way, the continuing of Godzilla's evolution from Shin, uh, singular point, and this now, like he's becoming a Pokemon. I think you even said it's like he's, you know, it's like he went from, P, you know, Pichu to, or Pikachu to, to Raichu, like in this movie, well, from the Godzilla source to this. Like it's, it's kind of feeling like that, but I'm, I'm happy that they're taking this stuff serious. Like the company's taking this a little bit more seriously now. They're allowing the, but I mean, neither of those films, neither Shin nor this are cheap movies by, Japanese standards. Those are still very expensive Japanese live action movies. But by American standards, they are cheap. Like God's like both of these both yeah. shit and this cost yeah. between eleven and fifteen million. And I've seen a lot of people, and I had this exact same thought walking out of there. Like, 
knowing full well what that budget was before I went in. And I walked, I'm like, that looks just as good, if not better than many Hollywood movies. And I knew that once this thing got released in America, like that comparison was going to come up and boy, howdy did it. And I am, look, I know that the Japanese film industry works very differently than the American film industry. There are a lot of different things at play that, you know, the reason why this movie costs this much and like Captain, you know, the Marvels cost 250 million. That said, I am happy to see there, there is a tad bit of shaming being pointed at in Hollywood of like, look, if Japan can crank this out at this budget, there is absolutely positively no reason that every one of these giant blockbusters needs to cost upwards of $300 million. There is something you guys are doing wrong. And the diminishing box office is showing that, that you cannot outspend to, you know, you can't spend that much to make money because it's becoming a, a, um, a law of diminishing returns. And there's a lot, I mean, look, the create Gareth, uh, speaking of, you know, the legendary movie, Gareth Edwards just had, um, that movie, the creator came out and it cost 80 million bucks and it looked better than 90% of the big studio, <coughs> studio films, excuse me, <coughs> looked better than most of the big studio films. Now, was it thematically better? Eh, the movie has, has its issues, but visually astonishing. And if it can be done on that small of a budget, there's absolutely positively no reason that many of these giant blockbusters that are being cranked out now can be brought, can be reeled back. And, you know, I'm hoping that maybe some lessons are taken from this. Will they? Probably not, because Hollywood's going to Hollywood. They're going to do what they want to do. But this movie does really show that Japan can now hang and bang with the best of Hollywood. Like Yamazaki, I, it's, it's felt like for the last like 10, 15 years, he has been inching the Japanese film industry to be that true competitor with the American film industry. And this shows that like, yes, they can do it. And the box office receipts have shown that like, and people are, are willing to embrace it. So, but it's time, it's quality, it's the quality of the filmmakers, quality of the actors. There's a lot of things to play into it, but when done right, you get a you get a minus one. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of I'm just I'm I'm kind of just taking a little victory lap on being a fan and also watching like a foreign film really kind of put the uh, put the boots to the head of like the current Hollywood machine and just trying to outspend and you know that's that 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 that's a podcast for another day so <laughs> any any final thoughts jessica i think everybody should order it when it comes mm-hmm. out on blu-ray oh yes physical media that's the, yes. own it. i'm interested to know what the steel book's gonna look like or any of the right. special editions I, I second that thing goes up for order. It will be in my, it will be in my pre-order list. Uh, Amazon, where whoever's going to get it, because Best Buy's taking the coward's way out and they're dumping DVD. 
whatever. I like Jessica knows me. She knows I have a gigantic DVD collection. I am a physical media guy. I will be a physical media guy till the day the last breath of my body leaves. Like I will be buried like a pharaoh in a tomb with all my DVDs and all my Bandai figures. I've always joked, but I'm like, no, I'm serious. There will be a tomb. You will put my mummified body in there, and you're going to shove my entire Godzilla collection in there with me, and you're going to shove all my DVDs. For some wild archaeologist a thousand years from now to come and look, and it's like, this guy has five copies of Van Helsing. Does a person really need five copies of Van Helsing? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <clears throat> so, but that said, um, I think the, I think that's all I got to say about minus one. Do you have anything else? No, no. Just go see it as many times as you can. I it's hope been extended. Yep. that it can be extended even past the 14th. Mm -hmm. that, would be, that would be a great Christmas gift for all of us, a holiday gift for all of us. And yes, please, please support it in its physical media format when it comes out. You, this actually just brought up. I know I said it was done, but you know what? Something just came to my head in terms of of Hollywood business. Uh, Toho released this. This is this is the first time I believe they have they have, at least in the modern era, directly released one of their own movies without going through a distributor like in the a distributor stateside, and. If any lessons have been learned this fall is that theaters can now bypass the distribution system and go directly to the source. They did this with the Taylor Swift. The AMC did this with Taylor Swift and they made so much damn money and they did it with the Beyonce movie Yes, and they did it with Godzilla. And so far they are batting three for three. Mm -hmm. Like these have been un- deniable successes so yeah. um this might be a a good turning point of like actually getting more foreign films out here without having to go through the horrors of you know the olden days of dimension films and like miramax where they would butcher those things like they would butcher these martial arts films and then put them out because it's not you know american audience aren't going to take it. it's like no no this shows that if you have the quality People will turn out to watch it no matter the language barrier. And that, of all things, is, to me, the best thing to come out of all this. So, all right, let's wrap this up because, holy crap, we went two hours. My God, that's a lot of that's a lot of time. But this was, this was a movie that was worth discussing. So, on that note, Jessica, where can the good people find more of our work? Yes, you can find us on thekaijukingdompodcast.com. We are also on YouTube. We are also on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you to mm-hmm. Chris, who basically does all of the hard work by keeping all of those things alive. You can also always email us at thekaijukingdompodcast at gmail.com. We are also everywhere where podcasts can be found. You type in our name, we're going to be there, and you can listen to us on all your commutes, or if you're just, yep. I don't know, doing laundry on a rainy day. So uh, on the YouTube front, uh, now that we've gotten back from Japan, I have made it my goal to finally uh, make good on my threats of putting content up. So 
<clears throat> I have been hammering out stuff. I have been diligently bringing the past archive, which has been pointed out to me when you go to, to um, any of the streamers, um, the episode count stops at like 55 or something like that. And I've had people asking, where are the older episodes? Well, I have been putting those up. They're getting up onto the, uh, the YouTube site along with a lot of video that both Jessica and I have been filming over the last year and a half on our various adventures to like GFest, Comic-Con. So I'm getting all that up, more video from Japan, <clears throat> um, deeper into like reviews and stuff like that. You're going to see a lot more video content coming from us um, going forward. All of our shows, you will have the audio version and the video version. So if you want to watch Jessica and I's beautiful faces, talk about monsters, you can. I, I will. Tr I, I'm trying my best to add a little pizzazz so you know it's not just two heads you know just blabbering the whole time but um so far <clears throat> thank you to everyone that's been joining us in the last couple of weeks it has been a busy month the month of november is arguably our best month on uh the shows uh the youtube has grown it, it's doubled in the last month so thank you guys the everyone that's started following us on social media, thank you very much because um, we're heading upwards and onwards. And uh, I just want to say I appreciate all you guys coming on board with us. So on that note, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast for myself and Jessica. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you next time.